So some of the mishaps that happen when we get a negative Yelp review or somebody's really angry, often it just takes a a small little shift in perspective on the part of the veterinarian or the person communicating with them to understand where that client is coming from. And that's a teachable skill. And so we focus really heavily on those kind of teachable skills to help people connect with their clients to really avoid or ultimately diffuse some of those tense interactions. Hello, Positive Leaders. Thanks for joining us today. You are listening to the Positive Leadership Podcast with Andrea Crabtree and David List, a podcast for everything a veterinary manager needs to know to get the job done. We've been there and we know how hard it is and are here to help share our knowledge and expertise to elevate you. I'm Andrea Crabtree, co-founder of Positive Leadership Podcast, owner of FurPause Consulting, a certified veterinary practice manager, and HR certified professional. And I'm David Liss, co-founder of the Positive Leadership Podcast. I'm also a certified veterinary practice manager, hold an MBA, and I'm a registered veterinary technician. And this podcast is for you, the veterinary practice manager, supervisor, and leader. We want to elevate you by equipping you with relevant content, material, guidelines, instruction, feedback, and pro tricks and tips. We will deliver real life experience along with our super smart guests that will get you through the obstacles that you're facing today with some bloopers and blunders along the way to remind you that you're not alone. FurPaws Consulting has deep expertise in helping veterinary practices reach their full potential for all types of practices, whether specialty, emergency, or general practice, by working alongside the practice owner and manager. Are you a practice owner or practice manager with a challenge and not enough bandwidth to tackle it? Reach out to me, Andrea Crabtree, owner of FurPaws Consulting, with the question that keeps you up at night. I'm able to provide expertise and insight to navigate those tricky obstacles. Find my info in the show notes. Email me at andrea at furpaws.us or check out my website at www.furpawsconsulting.com. Welcome back, Positive Leadership listeners. Today, we have an amazing guest and a friend of mine, Dr. Danny Rabwin. She is the founder and CEO of Ready Vet Go and an associate veterinarian at BCA Broadway Animal Hospital. Thank you so much, Dr. Danny, for coming by and chatting with us. We're looking Welcome, forward to Welcome, Dr. This. Danny. Thank you, David and Andrea. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so happy to be here. Without having to read your bio, I feel like bios are a little bit on the stuffy side and long and boring. Tell me the exciting journey that you've had to get where you are today. Ooh, it is exciting. I hope it's not long and stuffy. I had wanted to be a veterinarian from the time that I was quite young, and I became a veterinarian. I graduated from UC Davis in in 2004. My desire to be a veterinarian is a little bit different than some of the other stories that I hear in that I really loved our family's connection to our family veterinarian when I was a child. I loved going to the vet. I loved talking to the vet. I loved that he was kind of part of our family. And when he called our home the evening that one of our beloved dogs was euthanized when I was young, and he got me on the phone to express his condolences because I wasn't there for the euthanasia. I hung up the phone and I announced to my family, I want to be just like him. And he was a big motivating um, factor for me to become a veterinarian. He and that connection that I felt with people. I am definitely a people person, which is a little bit unique for people who want to become veterinarians. And it's also the thing that has really sustained me 
throughout my almost 20 year career is that connection that I feel with my clients. It's given me so much joy in this profession. I've really loved it. My career took a turn. I was a small animal practitioner and still am. I was doing that exclusively for many years. And I was always an informal mentor to anybody who needed mentoring, technicians, new veterinarians, vet students. I loved it. And during the pandemic summer of 2020, the clinic where I'm still working a few days a week, we brought on a new veterinarian. She had just graduated in 2020. And she was coming to me with cases that I knew were not hers because her desk was right next to mine and she was our new doctor and I knew what her cases were. Turns out she was asking questions on behalf of classmates and friend of hers who were out in practice and not really receiving the same kind of support that she was. And being the pandemic and everybody used to being on Zoom, we formed a Zoom group with myself facilitating a bunch of new veterinarians all over the country. And we met together a couple times a month in the evening after work. Everyone would have some tea or a glass of wine or something. And we would just talk about their challenges and their cases. And it was super transformative for me and for them. And it made me realize that mentorship is really where my passion is. And it also made me realize that a lot of the support that new and early career veterinarians need can be done remotely. And so I had this little aha, light bulb idea, and ReadyVetGo was born. So that's where I am now. And that's why I hold these two hats right now as small animal associate veterinarian and the founder and CEO of ReadyVetGo. I love that story. See, so much, uh, so much better than reading a stuffy bio, like when you graduated and, you know, blah, 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 right? Like it's so much more fun to hear your journey. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Can you share a favorite book or podcast or maybe a continued education class that you attended or something that left a lasting effect or impression with you? That would have to be a book. That book is Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. I had my own feelings of imposter syndrome when I was thinking about starting a business and founding a company, a mentorship business, because I know how to be a veterinarian. I'm really good at it. I had this idea. I had this creative idea, and I felt like I had to run with it. I had to turn this idea for a remote mentorship program into something real. And somebody suggested this book to me, and it is amazing. It's all about the creative pursuit. And I didn't really ever think of myself as a creative person. And I now know that I am. We create things all the time as veterinarians. You know, it's not just that I've been able to do the fun things like create a brand and pick out colors and a logo and all of those things. I'm creating really fun content. And this book really helped me understand the creative process and that what I do every day is part of a creative journey. And it's been really super inspiring to me. It might not seem like it's super connected to veterinary medicine, but I think it really is. So I highly recommend that book. Wow, that's cool. Let's jump into this Ready, Vet, Go. And I was just doing some research for the show. I've heard the name of the company. I'm not a veterinarian, so not to say that it doesn't apply to me, but it doesn't, but that's fine. But I just happened upon your about page and it says, you know, mission statement, we provide veterinary practices and new vets a successful path to a collaborative and long-term relationship, ensuring the future and well-being of our profession. That's a pretty profound statement. And I love how you spoke to it in a way about partnership or long-term relationship between kind of the business and the entity, the new vet. You know, you're an associate DVM uh, and you work as a veterinarian, and then you also have a mentorship company. So why mentorship versus business consulting or some other thing like that? Why are you so passionate about this area? It's a really good question. And I think before I answer that, I just want to say that I am so pleased 
that that statement resonated with you the way that it did, because it sounds like the message that I was trying to impart to people when I'm not speaking to them and they don't know me, it sounds like that came through really clearly. You know, so much of what I feel gave me and continues to give me so much joy as a veterinarian is being bonded to a practice. And when I see new and early career veterinarians leaving their first job, you know, there's a really sobering statistic that somewhere in the neighborhood of at least 30% of new grads leave their first job within the first year. I think that it is really hard on that veterinarian. It's hard on the clinic, and I think it's hard on our profession. And one of the things that has given me joy is being at a clinic for many years. That's why now in answer to your question, why mentorship? This profession needs veterinarians, obviously, and the veterinarian shortage problem is a hot topic right now. And when new veterinarians leave, that you know sobering 30% statistic, when they leave their first job within the first year, the number one reason they almost always cite is lack of mentorship. And I don't think it has to be this way. Mentorship is something I'm extremely passionate about. It's something that I'm good at. It's something that I enjoy. And by building out this business, I was able to provide something that will directly impact this profession that I love so much. So I, I think that answers your question, even though I, I meandered a little bit. Danny, I want to ask you why in the world that this falls on us in veterinary practice. Like I, as a practice manager, I don't have time for this. I've got so many other things that I'm doing, right? Veterinarians are drinking through a fire hose, trying to see all of their cases. And with everything that we are trying to juggle, why does this fall to a veterinary practice to have to take on mentorship instead of the vet schools? Why aren't they covering that? And, and to take that a step farther, there's a match program that's designed specifically for internships for, and I know not everybody matches in the match program, but that's what that's designed for. So why is it that this falls on us to to have to negotiate, navigate, and I will say it to deal with? Right. Because you as a practice manager see it from a, a different perspective than other people see it. And it does seem like it just falls in the laps of the veterinary clinics to have to do this mentoring. It's such a complicated answer the veterinary schools are so busy teaching medicine. The, the quantity, just the amount and volume of medicine that needs to be imparted upon veterinary students is so vast, and they spend so much time teaching the medicine. So that's one piece of it. They are getting better. You know, Our mentorship program talks about a lot of the things that I think people don't realize they need to know until they are out in practice. These are things like navigating difficult client interactions, client communication, fitting in with a practice culture, understanding your value in the practice, understanding how your production leads to the bottom line and the financial health of the practice. So schools are getting better, I think, at teaching some of these things. Certainly when I was in school 20 years ago, we weren't role-playing scenarios with angry clients. We weren't talking about challenging quality of life discussions. And many veterinary schools are making progress in that department. But there is only a limited amount of time. As far as the match goes, it's a really good question. I think we th often think of the match program as being something for people who want to pursue specialty training. I personally did an internship. And I think if somebody is matched at the right type of clinic, it can be a great education and launching point for going into general practice. But many of them are not. You know, I would argue that being an intern at a veterinary school 
is not the same experience as learning on the job in a general practice setting. So I think they are very different. I was very selective about this, the places that I was open to for matching for an internship. I wanted to go somewhere that was going to be extremely supportive of my desire to be a general practitioner. And that is not always the case, sadly. You know, I think there are places that really help support that, but many don't. And then another reason that I haven't even brought up yet is finances. You know, veterinary students are coming out with exorbitant amounts of student loans. An extra year spent making lower wages being an intern is a year that they're not making more money to pay down their student debt. So I think it's complicated. But those are some of the reasons that jump to mind when I think about the answer to that question. I agree with all of that. What I really was wanting to hone in on is that veterinary students are getting maybe the medical clinical side of it, and they're not necessarily getting the essential soft skills out of it, right? Talking to clients, communicating with their teams. Um, Some of those things that even you had mentioned, that's really where I feel that mentorship is valuable. And yeah, this is how you, you know, work up a DKA, or this is, you know, what you do with chronic ear problems or whatever it is, you know, all those things, like you say, you know, there's just so much to cover, but really understanding that there's a large portion that's not covered. And a lot of that is those essential skills that I feel are required for veterinarians to know when they come in and work for a practice for me, right? So through that practice management lens, I need them to have those soft skills and those essential life skills. And oftentimes they're coming out and they, they don't. That's exactly right. And I love that you bring those things up because that's exactly what our program is. Our mentors are very experienced. They all have 10 plus years of experience as veterinarians. So we can absolutely talk to our mentees about the medicine. But the vast majority of what we talk about during our six-month program together are the things that you just listed, the sort of soft skills, the client communication, understanding how to fit in with a practice culture, that sort of thing. And you know what I hear a lot is that Many veterinary students have access to some of those things in school, but they don't take advantage of them because they don't understand how important those things are. They think understanding how to manage the DKA or the chronic kidney disease is the most important thing and that they can learn the other stuff later. So then when they get out into practice and realize, oh, okay, I do know how to manage a chronic kidney disease, or if I don't, I know where to look it up. What I now struggle with is the nuances of explaining that to a client and talking to the client. And that's where we come in. And what I hear often is, well, I really was given that training in school, but I didn't take advantage of it because I just didn't think I needed it or I was spending so much time, you know, learning the medicine. So then they come in and they're they're ready to role play and they're ready to talk about some of these other soft skills. That's really interesting. I mean the the role that Andrea and I play is in the management or leadership kind of vein. We often work with doctors on their metrics or KPIs or whatnot, and sometimes, you know, customer feedback, you know, oh, I wish the doctor spent more time with me, or the doctor didn't explain it well, or whatever all those things are. And then on the other side of it, too, we try to discuss medical standards. So whatever that might be, you guys as vets set those, but let's say it's, you know, I don't know artworm tests for some, whatever it is. And so we then go through and we review reports and we'll say, hey, so-and-so, like, you know, you're not offering heartworm tests as much. And that, as you said, kind of feeds back to best practices, best medicine, therefore ACT, therefore bottom line. So I'm curious as to those two specific things, how do you guys, or, you know, what's your personal take or mentor, ready that goes take on coaching veterinarians to understand the business side of what they work, where they work. They may not ever want to be an owner, but they have to understand that piece. And then also on the customer service client communication side, like how do you identify what some of their blind spots are and how they're 
missing the mark. I would say that most vets don't strive to be misunderstood. But when we then as like Andrea and I have to go in and say, hey, you got this really bad Yelp review. Can we talk about it? Sometimes we deal with vets who are like dumbfounded and say, you know, but I said all the things, right? And and so there's that disconnect there. But from their side of it, they didn't get it. So how do you, those two things specifically, I'm curious, how do you prevent mentorship on those? I love that you asked those. We dive deep into both of those things in our program. I will start with the first part, which is the business part. I have never been a practice owner, but I always loved seeing the numbers. I started off in my first job with a practice manager who shared them with us every month, and I loved it. It really helped me understand my financial role in the daily workings of the practice, and it was really important to me. And so that's just something that I carried through my career and something that we really hone in on in our mentorship program. So we have a couple of ways that we we do this, um, but we really talk to them about understanding, you know, some of the metrics that you said you present and you'll discuss with with your veterinarian. So we we go through all of those. We help them understand why they're being asked to know this information. And if they're not being asked to know this information, we say, this might be information you actually might want to know. Perhaps you can go talk to your practice manager and see what these numbers are because they're very telling. They're very informative. We talk about the profits of a veterinary clinic and how the production that the veterinarian brings into the practice affects the bottom line. We have an exercise that I love doing, you know, something that I hear a lot from practice owners is we don't really want to bring on a new veterinarian. They come out of school and they want all this fancy equipment. You know, they ask for an ultrasound and they really have no understanding of the expense involved in that purchase. And so one of the exercises that we do is I have them pick a product, you know, it could be a medication or a piece of monitoring equipment or something that there is missing at their practice that they've wanted. And they have to go through the exercise of pricing that out, understanding what's involved in ordering. Is it a controlled drug? And if so, who's going to order it? Where will it live? If it's something that needs to be used as a product, like a piece of monitoring equipment, who is going to be performing that service? What kind of training is needed? If it's a piece of equipment, where will it live in the practice? And then I have them come up with a price. What are they going to charge for it? How often are they going to use it? And then they can look at it over the whole year and realize how much they're bringing in for the practice with that piece of equipment and does it work out? And if it does, then we go through this exercise where they can go to you, the practice manager, and give their proposal. It's a very well thought out proposal. It's not just, I want an ultrasound. It's here are all of the things that I have considered when I come to you with that request. And that's been a really fun exercise. Um, So we have a lot of little activities like that to help them really understand their role in the practice culture. One thing we talked a lot about on a meeting that I had with a group of mentees today is not discounting services. You know, that's something that new veterinarians um, are want to do. And I think it's a bad habit. And we name it right away. Don't do it. Charge for your time. And you are worth it. And we help them understand their value. So that's one way that we, that's many ways that we tackle the business side of things. I think it's very important. And I think it's also one way that I like to point out separates us and really separates us with our mentorship program. Our mentorship program is focused not only on creating confident and and happy new and early career veterinarians, but we also are really focused on the health of the practice. And by having the vets understand their role, it will translate into financial health for the practice. So David, in answer to the second part of your question, yes, there are many ways that we do that. So we are a six-month program and our first month is devoted entirely to client communication. All of the subsequent modules have communication pieces as well. So communication is something that I love. 
I said this at the beginning, I love connecting with clients. I really like the communication piece. And so it's we're very heavily focused on client communication. One piece that I'll call out that is really unique and exciting for our mentorship program is our video library of real exam room interactions. After I did my first cohort with my mentorship program, one thing that I heard a lot of in their exit surveys at the end was they said, you know, we talk about all of these things. We talk about how to communicate. You share with us that you can go into an exam room and be in and out in 10 minutes and gain trust with the client, do your physical exam, come up with a treatment plan, get buy-in for an estimate, and then move on to the next thing. We want to see that. And so I received permission from dozens of potential clients. I asked them in advance in anticipation of their appointment if I could record them and uh, video our interaction. And they said yes. And so I make them all available on the online platform that we use for our mentorship program. And I invite our mentees to critique some of the things that I say because it was very eye-opening for me to look back and hear myself talk in exam rooms and some things that I thought I was saying, well, perhaps I wasn't. And some things that I didn't realize that I was doing that helped me connect with clients. Often those were nonverbal things that I didn't realize I was doing. I was able to see those. So they're able to critique those. And then about halfway through our mentorship program, they are invited to do the same thing. And so that's been really fun. So they record themselves and then they give feedback on themselves. So if they are brave, they share them with the group and we all give our feedback. But more importantly, by watching themselves, they are really able to see some of the things that they are doing, both verbally and non-verbally, and they're really good at critiquing themselves. So those, that's kind of a fun way that we approach that aspect of communication. We bring guests onto our mentorship program to talk about client communication. So I have somebody coming on from Blend who is going to be coming on and speaking to our mentees about unconscious bias and how bias in sort of can affect how we interact with our clients. So some of the mishaps that happen when we get a negative Yelp review or somebody's really angry, often it just takes a, a small little shift in perspective on the part of the veterinarian or the person communicating with them to understand where that client is coming from. And that's a teachable skill. And so we focus really heavily on those kind of teachable skills to help people connect with their clients to really kind of avoid or ultimately diffuse some of those tense interactions. Dr. Danny, can you talk to me a little bit about some common mistakes that we make in practice when we quote mentor new grads or even new associates? I know you talked about we lose them. What, what did you say? Something like 30% leave their, their jobs, right? So what yes. are we doing to absolute, like screw this up royally <laughs> <laughs> when we're onboarding an associate or hiring on a new grad? Like stop, don't do this again. Okay. Don't do this. I'll tell you what not to do. I'll tell you what you do do first. That is great. I think when you say new grads, welcome mentorship provided, you mean it. I think our hearts are really in the right place. I think where we mess up and where the misses are, are that we don't really articulate what that mentorship provided means. Mess up number one is that we do not write things down. We don't have things formally laid out for what that mentorship provided looks like. And the mentorship that the practice owner or the practice manager or the associate veterinarian, what they might have in mind might be different than what the new or early career veterinarian is looking for. So there's a miss right there. And so I think there's, there's sort of two parts in what I just said. So one is establishing these kind of relationship guidelines and expectations. 
and writing them down. Those are two things that you can do to not be one of the statistics of having your new veterinarian leave within the first year of employment. Talk about what the mentorship looks like and then write it down. There's another thing that I see happen a lot, which is practices will often assume that their experienced associate non-owner DVMs are going to be more than happy to onboard and mentor their new grad associate. There's a feeling that we all had mentors and it's now time for us to give back. And the profession has changed. When I was mentored by my first practice owner, it was clearly in his best interest. It was his practice that he had built 30 years prior. And it was important to him that he walk me into exam rooms and he say, this is Dr. Radwin. She's our new associate. We are so lucky to have her. And then he would turn things over to me and it would be good for his business. And it was good for his business to spend significant amounts of time with me. And I think that's how it used to be. Many of our associate veterinarians, they're non-owners. Their interests in the practice are different. And the expectation that the associate veterinarians are just going to be more than happy to give up their time that they just don't really have to mentor a new veterinarian, I think is just not the nature of our profession anymore. We are often understaffed. We are often overbooked and busy. And to just sort of give that to an associate veterinarian, I think that is a big mistake that I see happen a lot. So I would say, ask, ask your associate veterinarians if this is something that they want to do. Yeah, I agree. They might want to do certain things. Many veterinarians are more than happy to take a minute or two to walk into radiology to put a second set of eyes on some radiographs. That's great. Do they want to take 10 minutes to sit down and debrief after a complicated euthanasia or quality of life discussion? Maybe not. But those are questions you can ask in advance so that those relationship expectations are are set up in, in advance. And that will set everyone up for success. The practice, the associate veterinarians, the new hire. So those are some specific things I think people can do to help ensure that that relationship is beneficial. Danny, I'll ask you, like, and you can feel free to be be honest about why a system like Ready That Go would be worth it. You know, obviously you're biased, but it's fine. Would you recommend a practice build something kind of a la carte and kind of clunky and thrown together? Or should they let an expert like yourself handle that? So is having a program and signing, like maybe a practice owner should sign up their vets for Ready That Go uh, worth it in your opinion? And if so, why? Yes, I think it's definitely worth it. And I think both things can and should exist. So I use the example of the second set of eyes on the radiographs. A remote mentorship program cannot be in radiology. So we do need somebody on the ground who can help if somebody drops a pedicle during a spay or needs a second set of eyes on some films. But outsourcing many other aspects of mentorship is extremely beneficial. You know, this is a program that I spent a lot of time designing after many, many years of working with mentees and honing in on the things that they really need to know. And the confidence that is increased in the short period of time that mentees work with us happens much more quickly if they have the extra support with a program like Ready Vet Go than if they are just trying to build that confidence when they're in their practice. We also, because of our big emphasis on decreasing turnover and helping veterinarians understand their role in the practice finances, production goes up and production goes up much more quickly with that type of a practice. So it's absolutely worth the investment. I mean, the return on the investment for this type of a program can be really great and can really help the bottom line of the practice. So I think having both things in place simultaneously for new 
associates is wonderful. So I think the answer to that is yes, it's absolutely worth it to outsource a significant part of the mentoring that needs to be done for the new veterinarians. Thank you for plugging that because I I do have to say that I've I've plugged it a few times myself with some of my uh, new associates, uh, excuse me, my practices when they're hiring brand new veterinarians and I've heard good things about it. So I'm excited to see it, it grow and really get some traction because as a practice manager, again, right, I need that. I need my veterinarians to have that. So I'm excited. Exactly. And that's what I hear so frequently. And it's the practice managers that deeply care and that are heavily invested in their clinics that are the ones that recognize this extra With profitable practices. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Can you share a couple good habits or things to consider that we should build in our mentorships with our new grads, I know you had said, you know, obviously ask associates, ask the mentee, right? Can you give us some other good things that we should make sure that we consider are good habits to build into a, a, like David said, kind of a la carte, build it yourself? Yeah, there's so many good habits and some of them are quite small and easy to do. One thing I find having worked with many mentees is the confidence piece really needs to be boosted. And I think it's really easy for us to critique things that didn't go well, give well-meaning suggestions on things that could be done better. But leading with the things that did go well can go a really long way. And really, I feel like a cheerleader a lot of the time. And I think as a mentor and a practice manager or owner who really wants to help empower their new veterinarians, being a cheerleader is key. It's not hard. It doesn't take too much time. And it goes a really long way. I encourage people to set very specific and small learning objectives that can be achieved. So rather than saying something like, I want to be able to do a neuter in 20 minutes. Well, that's really broad. Why don't we say, I really want to master this suture technique in my next two surgeries so that I can become more efficient with my neuter. So it's a very specific thing. I encourage people to set these goals, learning we call them learning plans where they have a learning objective and then a learning activity. So they're very specific. And so you might say, you know, the example that I just gave, I want to be able to perform a suture technique more quickly during a neuter and then write those down. And I encourage people to keep them in a binder or a journal because we as veterinarians are very good at being hard on ourselves. And at the end of a day or a week or a month or our first year out in practice, we might feel like we just didn't do anything right. And the truth is we did 10 times more things right than we did, quote, wrong, but we're going to remember the things that didn't go well. And if we can keep track of all of the tiny things that we learn every single day and that we master, the learning curve is so steep. And the joy that I see on these new veterinarians' faces when they can look back on a binder filled with all of the things that they have accomplished in a day or a week or a year, it's pretty amazing. So setting very specific learning objectives and keeping track of them. Being a cheerleader and celebrating wins, I think, are are small things that people can do for their own kind of a la carte mentorship program. Yeah, how to eat that elephant, right? Just one bite at a time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, I love it. Can you share a piece of advice with our listeners, perhaps something that you would share with your younger self? Should your younger self listen to you? Something that has a great piece of advice? I have two. I would say be curious. Curiosity is something that has helped me in my personal life and in my professional life. And we were, when we were speaking about 
sort of challenging client interactions. And when there's a miss with communication with clients, it's often because of a lack of, you know, somebody else's perspective and having a curiosity around that, I think can be really beneficial. Um, And that doesn't translate just into the exam room. That could be just for one's life. And the other thing I would say that's been sort of relevant to me just in the past even couple of days um, with my business has been listen to your gut. This is something that has taken me a long, long time to do. And when I look back on some of the challenges that I had or the mistakes that I made, I think, well, there really was a gut feeling there that I just didn't listen to either because I didn't trust myself or I took the advice from somebody that didn't sit right. But now as I'm entering this new phase of my life into this 40s something phase of my life and being the founder of a new business, I am really paying attention to my gut and it is serving me well. So be curious and stay curious and listen to your gut. How, uh, when was uh, Ready Vet Go founded? I founded it in like officially sort of July of 21. Oh, and cool. then I kind of spent the next year building it out. And my first cohort launched in May of 2022. So I can imagine that with the practices that you worked in, as well as the new baby grads that you have coming out, that you have some stories that would just make your jaw hit the ground, your eyes pop out like your little pug and just go, oh my God, you cannot make this shit up. Can you share us a story where you were just like, holy wow? I can. I'm laughing just thinking about this story. (laughs) It's like... It's going to be a good one then. (laughs) It's going to be a good one. I don't know if this is exactly what you're looking for, but this is just one of those like crazy interactions with a client that is just, you wouldn't believe. So if that's along the lines of what you were asking. Exactly. You're right. So I was in an exam room with a a lovely woman and her golden retriever. And she came in because the dog had diarrhea and she saw worms in the poop. And I said, okay. And she said, and here's here's what, what it looks like. And she handed me her phone. And there was a big pile of poop on a paper towel. And I like zoomed in. I got real close and I put my face like right up into this phone. And she said, well, actually, that's not Fluffy's poop. That's mine. But I have the same parasite too. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, oh God. Oh, God. Was was that a good one, you guys? Oh, my gosh. You really cannot make that shit up. Actually, you, that, you yeah. can't. Oh. <laughs> and wow. when I thought it was dog poop, I was fine to zoom right up in and get all up close. Sure, right. Like, as soon as it oh, turns human, yeah, we all get gross. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, you don't want to look at that. You don't That's want your client looking up that, their shirt that and that showing their won the. <laughs> that might have won the prize on the pod to be actually, to be true. There's, we've had some good ones. I know. I've been listening. Darren Osborne shitting There's his pants is a good one, too. <laughs> oh Lord! Awesome. Well, we appreciate that. Keeping keeping this. Yeah, fun I think the light. funniest ones are all about <laughs> shit, right? They are. They are. There was one where some guy was like shitting in the restroom. Like we've had some good yeah. ones, but they're all about the shit, yeah. right? They're yeah. all about poop. Yeah. <laughs> no, not surprising. We talk about it a lot. <laughs> hey, Andrea here. Have you seen our social media pages? Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also find us on our website, www.positiveleaders.com. And if you like what you see there, be sure to give Rhonda and Linda a shout out over at Dog Days Consulting. They do all of our social media management. They even built our website. Those ladies can work some creative magic for your business and your brand. 
Check them out on Facebook at Dog Days Consulting or visit their website at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. So at this point in the show, we're going to go into the rapid fire. Tell me about your most epic failure that has left a lasting impact. When I had a feeling about the first person that I ever had to help hire in a veterinary clinic, and I had a gut feeling, and I didn't listen to it, and it didn't go well, and I eventually had to help participate in letting that person go, so not listening to my gut. Tell me about your proudest moment. Oh, that would be having my son. Why veterinary medicine? What do you love about our profession? I love the people. I love connecting with people. Self-care, how do you practice it? How do you decompress? I have this amazing solo sauna. It looks like one of those backpacking tents and I slide right into it after work and I crank the heat up and I listen to a podcast. How do you balance work and life and do you experience any work guilt in that balance? I set boundaries and the answer is yes, I do experience guilt. What keeps you up at night, things that stress you out or cause you anxiety in either your business or veterinary medicine? I worry that I have built something that people will not like, and I worry about our profession, and I worry about new grad turnover. What gets you up and out of bed in the morning? What excites you to start your day? My connection with people. What color best describes you and why? That would be green, a bright green. It's vibrant, it's happy, it's optimistic. And if you could be any animal, what would it be and why? I would be a penguin. I love that they're bonded to another particular penguin and also part of a big community group. Awesome. That was great. That was so much fun. Was that okay? Thank you, Danny, for coming on the show. This This was was so much fun. Loved it. This was so much fun. I knew I was going to laugh with you guys. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Dr. Danny, can you give our listeners a shout out about how they can reach you should they want to connect more, learn more about Ready, Vet, Go or mentorship in their practice? Yes, I can be found and all things about Ready, Vet, Go can be found on our website, which is readyvetgo.co, not .com, it's .co. You can follow us on social media. We're very active on Instagram, readyvetgo underscore. We are currently enrolling for our October cohort. We would love to have you and have your new and early career associates in our program. Awesome. Thank you. For all the positive leaders listening out there, we hope you learned something to take back to your practice to put into use tomorrow. We want to hear from you, good, bad, and everything in between. So email us at positiveleaders at gmail.com. That's positive with a P-A-W. Want to hear about a specific topic on the podcast? Email us. Want to have your You Can't Make This Shit Up story featured? Email us. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the Positive Leadership Podcast. And be sure to rate us. Check out our website at www.positiveleaders.com. That's positive with a P-A-W. And as always, catch us on all the socials. This is Andrea. And David. Signing off until next time. Stay happy and sane. 
The Positive Leadership Podcast is solely for informational purposes. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions provided in this podcast are general in nature, and such information, statements, comments, views, and opinions, and the receipt of this podcast by any listener are not intended to be and should not be construed as the provision of any business advice. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions expressed or provided in this podcast, including by speakers and guests, are those of Andrea Crabtree, David Liss, and their guests only, may not be current and do not represent the statements, comments, views, and opinions of any other person or business entity. Andrea Crabtree, David Liss, and or the Positive Leadership Podcast do not make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any of the information, statements, comments, views, or opinions contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage of any kind whatsoever is expressly disclaimed.